gospel reading this morning comes from the book of John, uh, chapter 18, verses 33 through 37 from the message. Pilate went back into the palace and called for Jesus. He said, Are you king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own, or did others tell you this about me? And Pilate said, Do I look like a Jew? Your people and your high priest turned you over to me. What did you do? My kingdom, Jesus said, doesn't consist of what you see around you. If it did, my followers would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to you by the Jews. But I'm not that kind of king, not this world's kind of king. Then Pilate said, so you are a king or not? Jesus answered, You tell me, because I am king, I was born and entered the world so that I could witness to the truth. Everyone who cares for the truth, who has any feeling for the truth, recognizes my voice. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. On Thursday we had the opportunity to celebrate a day of thanksgiving. I can tell you some of the things that I am thankful for. I wasn't thankful for that, sorry. (laughs) I can tell you some of the things that I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for you, my church family. One does not have to look far to see the love and care that is Brexville United Methodist Church. I am thankful that you are here today, and I am thankful for all the gifts that God has given me, but mostly for all the situations, good and bad, that God has placed in my path that has made me the person that stands before you today. I am thankful that Pastor Clark asks me occasionally to preach as it makes me pause from all the things that I have to do and spend thoughtful time with scripture. I am most thankful for my family I have a wonderful wife that puts up with me, and I don't know why, Um, and incredible children who are now beginning to expand the family. As some of you know, my daughter Betsy got married a month ago tomorrow, and it was a beautiful day of celebration, even with the rain. At the reception, just before I gave the blessing for dinner, I had the opportunity to give a toast. So my mother-in-law, stole my thunder earlier in the, during the ceremony because I wanted to say something about parents and how being proud parent and what a beautiful day. And that was all said. So I had to say something else. So I w- stood up and I was right, standing right behind my daughter who was seated at the head table. And uh, I said to everyone, you don't know most, or many of you don't know me, but I'm an artist and a teacher. And one of the things I like to do when I speak is have visual aids. So I said, Betsy, you're going to be my visual aid. And she kind of looked at me like, what? (laughs) And I said, I need you to hold up your hand. All right, I need you to take your thumb and put it down, and your forefinger, put it down, and your middle finger, and put it down, and your ring finger, and put it down. And then I stopped a second, and I pointed, and I said, it's hard to believe I've been wrapped around that pinky for all of your life. And I always knew I was in trouble when conversations with Betsy started out with, Daddy, 
You always want what's best for your children, and you want them to have every opportunity. But sometimes the requests are stressful. Daddy, can I travel across Europe with an honors band? Daddy, can I study abroad for five weeks in Florence? It does make me wonder that when we put our hands together and close our eyes and say, Dear God, just what he, does he think at that moment? Because it sounds a lot like, Daddy. I find that the older I get, I like to start out my prayers with, Dear God, thank you for whatever. Of course, that doesn't stop me from doing any asking, but I try to remember that God wants what's best for us too, and he will give us every opportunity to shine. I think that we miss seeing and feeling God's love all around us all the time. We seldom take the opportunity to look at examples of love in our own lives to compare how God loves us. And while we fail, God's love never does. The Bible gives us many examples of his love, up to and including the birth, life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus. God also shows his unfailing love for the son of Jesse, who he names King of Israel. This is Christ the King Sunday. So what does it mean to be a king? Shouldn't, be, shouldn't being a king be about love and welfare of the governed people? Shouldn't the people be like your children? I wonder why anyone would want to be a king. Historically, it's a tough job that doesn't often end well. You have power, sure, but everybody else wants it, and they'll kill you for it. Being king didn't work out well for Saul. Louis XIV had to build Versailles just to keep the nobles from usurping his power or killing him, even though they still tried. But all of Versailles didn't help Louis XVI. It would be easy to provide other examples about the harsh realities of being a king. Even in stories, kings don't fare well. How about King Arthur and Camelot? Shakespeare wrote in Henry IV, uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. And one of my favorite lines used in two Mel Brooks movies is, it's good to be the king. All evidence to the contrary. And why would anyone want to be king of the Jews when God didn't want the Jews to be governed by a king? The last time I had the opportunity to preach, I read the scripture reading and thought, great, I get to talk about King David. Then, as I thought through what the meaning of the scriptures were, I realized the sermon I was going to write wasn't going to be about him at all. Three of the four lectionary readings for today were about King David. So, however, briefly, today is the day. Years ago, I was driving home from work, and I was listening to NPR, and an author was being interviewed about her book. It was a book about King David, where she was looking for historical evidence of his existence. And she said that there was little to no historical artifacts proving his existence, yet she was 100% convinced he did indeed live and was king. She thought 
it would have been impossible to make up his story. It was entirely too complex, showing not only great strength, but also great weakness. She said that in a historical context, there is no other story quite like his. David didn't grow up thinking he was going to be king. He was a shepherd. He was a musician. He was devout in his love of God. Being a shepherd and a musician were hardly qualifiers for the job of being king. God chose him for his heart. God chose him because of David's complete trust in him. When facing Goliath, he never thought about himself. He believed that God would win, and he was God's champion. One of the things I find most comforting about David's story is that God never stops loving him. I believe that most of us try to do everything not to break any of the Ten Commandments. And how many commandments did David break? And how, not to mention how many other Jewish laws. God never gives up on him. I think God always looks for the good in David. And eventually, David responds appropriately. Now, it didn't mean that David didn't suffer for his sins. He did. But it's reassuring to know that God always forgave him. So did you know that there are 2,361 references to capital K, King, in the entire Bible? 2,361. But there are only 75 in the New Testament. And almost all of those refer to King Herod. I can only find a few times in the Gospels where Jesus is referenced as King of the Jews. The first was in Matthew's Gospel, where the wise men were asking Herod where to find the baby who is the new king of the Jews. There are three times in John's gospel, one where Nathanael says to Jesus, you are king of Israel. Then, after feeding the 5,000, Jesus withdraws to the mountain after he realized the crowd was going to take him by force and make him king. There is a reference in the book of Revelation where the lamb who wins the fight is the Lord of lords and King of kings. And today's reading from John's Gospel seems to be the most telling. Pilate asks him directly if he is king of the Jews and then presses him on the issue. We know that Pilate did not want to sentence Jesus to death. Then what was probably an insult to those who pressed him to put Jesus to, get to death, he had the words, King of the Jews on the cross. Jesus told us that he came to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah. And Isaiah said the baby would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah didn't say King of anything. And after reading John's Gospel, Jesus' interaction with Pilate seems incredibly uncomfortable. Jesus knows what Isaiah called him, but Pilate presses on about being a king. And Jesus admits he is a king, just not of this earth. He is king in the spirit of David's last words. The spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, when one rules justly over men, 
ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. In fulfilling God's word spoken through the prophet Isaiah, Jesus is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, as well as light of the world, the word of God, the son of man, the son of God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And today, we celebrate him as Christ the King. Amen.